We come now, brethren, to the preaching of God's Word. I invite you to take your Bibles and open them to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4. 1 Peter, chapter 4. And I'll be reading and preaching this morning on verses 10 and 11. That's 1 Peter, chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. I invite you to read along silently as I read these verses aloud this morning. Here Peter writes, beginning in verse 10 of 1 Peter 4, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for your kindness and mercy today. We thank you for bringing us here in your providence to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we would ask now for the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit that he might be our teacher and guide, that he might lead us into truth this morning, that he might open our eyes to the meaning of this text and to help us not only to understand it but to apply it in our own lives in such a way that Jesus Christ is honored and the Father is glorified and our lives are transformed by the power of the gospel. For we ask these things this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Brethren, this morning we want to continue our sermon series through the book of First Peter, and throughout this book we have been encouraged by the reality and the sufficiency of God's grace towards his people. In fact, the book of First Peter is all about the abundance of God's grace towards us. For from the first two chapters, we were reminded of the grace that is ours in Christ Jesus. For we've been saved by grace. We have been freed by grace for God's service. And in chapters 3 and 4 of this book, we were repeatedly assured of God's sustaining grace in times of suffering. God's sustaining grace during times of suffering. For the call to follow Christ is a call to suffer, just as Christ suffered. And yet, just as Christ was sustained by the Holy Spirit for the work that God called him to do, so you and I are sustained by grace through the Spirit as well. In fact, it is often during times of great suffering and hardship that we are most keenly aware of the sufficiency of God's grace. It is times when we suffer and endure hardship that we sense the presence and the leadership of the Spirit in ways we have not experienced it before. And so there is a purpose for the hardships and difficulties that we face. And so whether we are experiencing the unspeakable joy of our salvation in Christ or we are patiently bearing up under the hardships that come with obeying and following Christ, we are conscious of the fact that we as God's people are surrounded and sustained by grace. We are surrounded and sustained, sustained by grace. In fact, it was Charles Spurgeon's custom to remind his congregation 
that we are all swimming in a sea of grace. We are all in the midst of a sea that is so large that we cannot see the shoreline, a sea so deep that we cannot sense the bottom. And you know what, brother, and I don't use a lot of personal examples, as you know, but I can relate to what Spurgeon says because I spent six years in the Navy, and during that time, I was overseas on tour, often in the middle of the ocean. Sometimes I would go to the aft end or the rear end of the ship where the fantail was, and I would lean up against the rail and I would look out at the ocean all around the ship. We were completely surrounded by an ocean that you could not see the horizon at all. And I used to imagine how deep it must be to be in the middle of the ocean in that way. I could imagine that God's grace, even at that point in my life, was somewhat like that. That I was surrounded by grace in such a way that it was impossible to explain. I was surrounded by his grace in a way that was endless and bottomless. And the more that we realize that, the more that we are sustained by that grace. You are surrounded by a sea of grace. And therefore, when it comes to our acceptance in Christ, when it comes to the assurance of our spiritual security and stability during times of intense suffering, we can be certain that we will not merely persevere, but we will experience the peace of God as well. For the same gracious God who calls us to himself by grace will sustain us in our sufferings through grace. In fact, let us be assured this morning that there is no trial, there is no circumstance involving suffering that we can possibly endure, that can possibly diminish or dilute or disenable in any way whatsoever the sufficiency of God's grace for us. For it is as wide and deep as his love for us it is as certain as his own gracious character, for his grace powerfully saves and sustains each one of us. And yet not only is his grace saving and sufficient for us, and that's what we've been seeing up to this point, but his grace also equips us and enables us to accomplish the service that he's called each of us to do. And of course, this brings us to our text this morning 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. And I want us to notice verse 10 especially, which states, As each has received a gift, or literally a gifting, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So notice this. We are not only just the recipients of grace, we are the stewards of of grace. And needless to say, this exhortation from the Apostle Peter is very instructive to us spiritually in the context of suffering and the sufficiency of God's grace for two reasons. First, this exhortation assures us that there is clearly and most definitely a divine purpose behind all of our sufferings. And that oftentimes this divine purpose is to physically and spiritually prepare us for the service that God has called us to. In fact, I don't know if you've given that any thought or consideration before, but now's the time to do it. 
Maybe what we're experiencing at this point in our lives through hardship and suffering is designed by God to prepare us for a work that we were not aware of, but that he and his providence has called us to and to provide us with opportunities to serve in ways that we would not have had otherwise. For example, in the life and the ministry of the Apostle Paul, which is described in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4, Paul rejoiced in the fact that God had greatly comforted him and his companions during their ministry trials and sufferings. And yet the greater and larger purpose behind God's gracious comforting of Paul was the greater opportunity that Paul would have in turn to minister comfort to others. Think about that. The great thing was not just that Paul was comforted alone, but that Paul would have the opportunity to minister comfort to others. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4, God comforted us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort by which we ourselves have been comforted by God. And so often inherent in or embedded within our own trials and our own suffering are divinely ordered opportunities for us to minister in unique and profound ways. And in many cases, it's not until we see the opportunities that God has placed in our trials that we begin to see the purpose in them. Then secondly, Peter's exhortation here in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10 is, is highly instructive to us as believers today because it reveals to us that God not only gives grace in the form of sustained strength for suffering, but he gives grace in the form of spiritual gifting for service. In the form of spiritual gifting for service. For Paul states here in the beginning of verse 10 of 1 Peter chapter 4 that each believer, we could insert the word believer, each believer has received a gift and clearly, within this particular context, this gift of which the Apostle Peter speaks of is, is not the gift of belief, it is not the gift of saving faith, nor is it the gift of sustaining grace. All of those are gifts. We, we receive a lot of gifts, don't we? It's not any of those gifts, but rather in the context of this service to God, it is a spiritual gifting it is an ability that appears in and that excels in service to the body of Christ, and especially in the context of 1 Peter, in times of great need. In other words, you and I have a, a special gifting, a special ability from God to minister to the needs of the body, especially during times of great need. For just as adversity and difficulty can drive the needs and weaknesses of God's people to the surface, so the presence of the Holy Spirit working through the gifts that God has given to his people can supply and satisfy those needs to the good of Christ's body. For in the great wisdom of Jesus Christ, a spiritual gift or a spirit-directed gifting has been given to each and every believer. Did you hear that? To each and every believer. And this 
Spirit-directed gifting is an extension of the very grace of God towards his own church. And this grace is given to us not so much to encourage us, not so much to support us, but to equip us, to empower us for the service of others. For in giving his very grace, that grace which is varied in its applications and varied in its expressions, God is working not only in and through us who possess the gifts, but he is meeting the needs of others who greatly benefit whenever our gifts are in operation. So to each believer is given a varied measure of grace, a divine gifting. You have it. I have it. It is an expression of the varied grace of God. It enables you, it enables me to serve others in the body with a spiritual energy and a real spiritual effectiveness that would not be possible without it. For it is not a product of our own efforts. Furthermore, it's important to note here in verse 10 that Peter does not leave open the possibility that some believers may be without gifts or that some believers may be overlooked by God's gifting. That is not even suggested here. So this idea that I have no gifts, yes, I'm a believer pastor, but I have no gifts. I have no special gifting from God to minister is foreign to Scripture. Peter is clearly teaching here that as a part of the Holy Spirit's work in every church and in every believer, a divine gifting has been granted to us. You and I are created in Christ Jesus to be spiritual channels of God's grace to others, and our acts of service are the spiritual conduits that God uses to build up other people. And needless to say, this should impress upon all of us the the greatness of God's generosity towards each of us. God is so gracious. He is so generous to us, not just in terms of our salvation and sustaining us in grace, but gracious to us, generous to us, and allowing us to serve. Not only are we unworthy of his salvation, but we are unworthy of his call to service. Not only does he make us his own through his salvation, but he also equips us and calls us for service through spiritual gifting, a gifting that we receive from the same spirit who is at work within all of us, sanctifying us and making us useful. Yet it's a gifting that is as varied as God's gracious works are varied. It is a gifting that is as uniquely yours and uniquely mine as our own personalities and our own temperaments are. And therefore, brethren, there is no such thing as an ungifted believer or a giftless believer. For just as surely as the grace of God saves us and sustains us as his people, so the grace of God generously gifts us as his people. And given that this is the case, given that each of us is placed within Christ's body for the spiritual edification and encouragement of one another, we are not to see this subject with bewilderment. We are not to scratch our head and say, I don't know anything about this doctrine at all. This doesn't relate to me whatsoever. I'm indifferent to it. We cannot have that response, but rather, dear child of God, your heavenly Father who saved you and called you to serve other, 
commands you to know right now that you are spiritually gifted. You are spiritually gifted. And just as you've been given a physical body that is fearfully and wonderfully made, and you are to use that physical body for his glory, you've been given as one who now has the spirit a particular and powerful spiritual gifting. And no doubt, one of the most pressing spiritual principles of your Christian life and of your Christian service, and this relates to me as your pastor as well, should be to embrace our unique spiritual gifts. To embrace our unique spiritual gifts, to use them as expressions of God's grace to each of us. To know them, to know what they are, rather than refusing to use them, and to do so with a profound sense of responsibility towards them. For in speaking further here in verse 10 of 1 Peter chapter 4 of our spiritual gifting, notice that Peter writes that having received a gift, we should now use it, now put it into action, now exercise it as good stewards of God's varied grace. And so there is a sense here in Peter's teaching and elsewhere in the New Testament as well that all of us are God's stewards. All of us are God's stewards. And while we might be tempted to view Christian ministers as the sole stewards of God's riches within the church, the truth is we are all stewards of God's varied grace. We're all called to put whatever gifts we have received from God to their best and most profitable use for Christ's kingdom. Does this mean that all of us are tasked with starting and leading and promoting some highly visible ministry within the church? Of course not. In fact, it's interesting to note that Peter makes no effort here in verse 10 whatsoever to dictate the degree of our service or the extent of our service or even the context of our Christian service, but rather he allows us the liberty of choice as individual believers to make those decisions what we will do and how we will do it and in what context we will do it. For each of us in our context of our own circumstances and commitments in life need to decide how our gifts will be used using biblical wisdom. In fact, it is not even my place, brethren, as your pastor to dictate to you how your spiritual gifts are to be used here at Sovereign Grace Baptist Church. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I didn't give you the gifts, and I'm not here to tell you how those gifts should be used. You should be aware of the needs within the body, and you should discern for yourself with the Spirit's leadership what God desires for you to do with your gifts. Now, I am here to provide some spiritual encouragement and counsel Sometimes a brother or sister in Christ will ask me, Pastor, how do I discern what my spiritual gifting is? How do I put those gifts to their best use? And my typical response to people is simply this, that our callings and our abilities from God are from God. And so they are best discovered as we pray to God directly. 
They are best discerned as we walk faithfully on the path of service to God. For God, who is faithful to answer our prayers, will reveal to us what our gifts are through opportunities for service. And if we're willing to see them and make wise use of them, God will manifest them to us. Not only this, but we should ask our fellow believers who we are in regular fellowship with, what they perceive our spiritual gifts to be. In fact, this can be a very helpful exercise if you're uncertain as to what your spiritual gifting is, to go to your trusted brother or sister in Christ and simply say something like this, when I minister in your presence through the leading of God's Spirit, in what ways do I minister to you? In what ways are you edified? In what ways are you encouraged? In what ways are you built up? For those who benefit from our gifts, our brothers and sisters in Christ, are often in the best position to give us encouraging feedback on how the Spirit works most powerfully and effectually during our service to them. In fact, I know this is probably the case in Brother Kevin's life. I know it's mine. But throughout the years, as a young man trying to get a sense of God's direction, should I go into the ministry? Should I seek the pastorate? I sought again and again and again the counsel and the input of wise Christian friends and counselors who I had confidence in. And I would say to them again and again, do you see the gifts of God in my life? Do I have the gifts and graces to be a pastor? And thank God many said yes. And here I am today by the grace of God. And you know what? The same is true in your life as well. You can ask a trusted friend, what do you perceive my gifts are? And you can pray about that and, and search the word of God and seek wisdom from God in this matter. But again, whatever we discern our spiritual gifting to be, it's important that we take our stewardship of these gifts Seriously, And we should be devoted to using them under the Spirit's leading for the edification and encouragement of others within the body. In fact, Peter gives us two helpful and practical examples here in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. Notice verse 11 of how believers who have particular giftings given to them can and should be using those spiritual gifts for others as they are actively yielding to the Holy Spirit's leading. For the Apostle Peter writes here in verse 11 of our sermon text this morning, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. This is one example. And this is the more public example, right? I mean, what's more public in the church of God than someone who stands and speaks in the assembly of God's people? And then he gives a lesser example. A more modest example in some sense, less visible example, and whoever serves, it's a simple word, serving, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. And this is the second example of using one's gifts. And let us notice that in both examples, it is the gifted believer who chooses to use his or her gifts. The gifts are not used until we choose to exercise them. 
And he or she speaks or serves as God provides the opportunity. And so God is guiding them by means of his word. Notice it's always associated with the word of God, the oracles of God, and, and by his spirit as God supplies. And so ministering our gifts within the context of the church under the guidelines that Peter sets forth in our text involves a willingness to use them responsibly. Notice that. We have to use these gifts responsibly as good stewards. What's a good steward? A good steward is a good manager of their gifts, as well as a willingness to be guided by both the word and the spirit. So I accept the fact that I'm responsible to use my gifts. I accept the fact that God has given me his word, the oracles of God, to guide me as I minister. And God has also given me his spirit to empower me as I minister. And again, it's worth pointing out here that Peter is not speaking to Christian ministers only. This is not a, a text that's only for pastors, only for stewards in the sense of pastoral ministry or overseers. But Peter is speaking to each and every member of Christ's body. Remember that. Each one. For each has received a gifting from God, whether that gift involves speaking to others or some other form of service to others. And we are to use that gift, Peter says here in verse 11, with the strength that God supplies. Notice that also. Where does the strength come to use the gift? It comes from God. It does not come from you. It does not come from me but it comes from the grace and strength that God provides. For there is a special grace from God for the work of Christian ministry. There is a special spiritual enabling and strengthening that comes only from the Holy Spirit and is especially suited to your specific needs to give you power and confidence. Do you know that God wants you to have power and confidence in his service he has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He's given you a spirit for service. He's given you the ability to move outside of your own comfort zone and to reach out in service to others through the special gifting that he has entrusted to you. For there is a divinely appointed role for each of us to play in building up Christ's spiritual body. There are opportunities that are entrusted especially to us. There are opportunities that are given to me as the pastor. Yes, it's true. But there are also opportunities that are given to you as well, to all of us. We should be seriously considering how we are fulfilling our stewardship. Because our stewardship is not primarily about the stewardship of money, although how we manage our material wealth is a big part of our stewardship. But rather, our stewardship, according to Peter here in verse 11, in the context of Christian services, primarily a stewardship of grace, as we are stewards of God's very grace. And so how we use that grace, how we use the gifts that are tailored to us, is something that each of us should pray about and give special attention to. For the Apostle Peter, or excuse me, the Apostle Paul, quoting from him once more, 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2 says this, It is required, it is expected, it is anticipated by the master that stewards will be found faithful. That applies to ministers of the gospel, yes, in that context, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. But it also applies to every steward of God. It is required of all of us as stewards that we use whatever God has graciously entrusted to us in terms of grace in a way that promotes the ultimate good of his kingdom. In fact, let us not be like that truly unfaithful servant who's mentioned in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 25, who because of fear took the talent that the Lord had given to him and he hid it within the ground. Remember that parable? Only to hear the master's rebuke for his unfaithfulness and sloth. But rather let us be like those faithful servants in that very same parable in Matthew chapter 25 who took the talents that God had graciously entrusted to them and they put them to use resulting not just in a significant increase of wealth for the master but an increase in the effectiveness of their service to their master's kingdom. And we're told in that parable that the master praised them for what they did. He praised them to his faithful servants, those who did not ignore their God-given talents, who used the opportunities that had been given to them, the master of the parable declared, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in little, I will set you over much. Over much. For it is clearly evident from our Lord's parable, which I just quoted from, that there's an expectation on our master's part that what we've been entrusted with will be used faithfully and responsibly. And there should be an eagerness on our, our part to fulfill that stewardship. There's also an eagerness on our master's part to not only acknowledge the faithfulness of his servants, but to praise and reward them for their good stewardship. And so clearly we should be mindful of what grace has been given to us. We should be grateful stewards of God's gifts, whatever those spiritual gifts might be. And yet what's even more important, brethren, as I bring this message to a close this morning, than the nature of our stewardship is our true motivation behind what we do. Our true motivation behind what we do. For a servant who acts merely for a reward, a servant who acts merely for a public praise may appear to be diligent, but his devotion to his master's good may not flow as deeply as it should. It might be merely superficial. What should be our primary motivation for using the gifts that God has given to us? What should be our chief goal behind what we devote ourselves to in service? Well, notice Peter informs us here in the remainder of verse 11 of 1 Peter 4 that we should be motivated by this, that in everything, not just in some things or in a few seemingly critical things, but in everything, absolutely, absolutely everything, God himself may be glorified through Jesus Christ. For to him, to him, to God, belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen.
For if we understand the greatness of the one we serve, if we truly understand the reason why his glory is to be acknowledged above ours, then we'll have no choice but to reject any kind of service or any kind of giftedness in the church that is not entirely God-focused and God-centered. We'll reject any kind of service or so-called giftedness that is not God-focused and God-centered. And we will also see why so much of what often passes for spiritual service today in the church is really not intended for the glory of God at all. In fact, let me just come out and say it. There's so much that happens in the church today that is used to call attention to man and to promote man's agenda rather than God. And let me inform you, brother, and after many years in ministry in Reformed churches, that we are not exempt in Reformed churches from the temptation to set our own agenda before God's or to use what he's given for our use instead of his. May God convict us this morning of our own need to be better stewards of the very grace of God today and of our need to recognize and to act upon what the Spirit of God has gifted each one of us to do in the service of his kingdom. Let us pray that we will endeavor in the strength of his grace to ensure that God is glorified in everything that we do. May God receive the glory in everything. Everything in his church, everything in his life, in our lives, everything in our service. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for your word today. And we would ask now that the Spirit of God, who has opened our minds today to its truth, will now use the word of God in a powerful way to bring transformation to our thinking to our conduct, to our motivations, to our desires, that we might be brought into conformity to your word, that our motives and our desires might be in line with what they should be as people who have been the recipients of the varied grace of God. Bless us now as we respond to your word, continue to build this church and strengthen it as we all utilize that gifting which you have entrusted to us for your glory. For we ask these